Hi, this is Ivanya Easley with the Closet Chronicles, founder and CEO of Love E Fashion. And Love E. This podcast is all about delving a little deeper into fashion, e-commerce, and tech, and how they all intersect. And today we have a special guest, Brittany, with Women of Color um, in Tech, and she is going to share her story. She's going to talk about what she's doing now and how she got started in fashion and tech. Welcome, Brittany. How are you? I'm doing great, Ivanya. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I know. Thank you for taking the time to join in. I know you're crazy busy as well. So we'll jump right in. Uh, tell us, of course, you know, what your business is, uh, how you got into it. And as I always say, your your fashion journey, your fashion story of how we all got into this industry. Everybody's journey is different. Yeah. Um. So we manage a community organization, Women of Color Worldwide. You've actually been to a couple of our events. um, So thank you for the support. Women of Color Worldwide is a community organization that connects women of color who work at the intersection of creative and technical careers. So that can be anyone like a creative director who maybe works for a digital platform or a buyer who works in e-commerce. And um, through our different experiences and events that we've brought women together, we really saw that there was a need to help companies understand this niche market. Um, A lot of times when people hear women of color and see that Jessica and I, and Jessica's my co-founder for anyone who's (laughs) not aware, see that Jessica and I are black women, they assume that WOC is a moniker for black women, but actually our community is very diverse. Um, It's comprised of black women, but our second largest demographic is Asian women. We also have Hispanic women who attend our events and engage in our programming. Um, And even recently when we conducted a study in partnership with Nordstrom, we saw that there were a full gamut of women who identify as women of color, including women who are Eastern European. Yes. And so through trying to understand this demographic better and create more experiences that fit their needs, um, three years ago, we launched an agency, Fayetteville Road, where we do management consulting to partner with brands and retailers, leveraging the insights and Which I am familiar that with. <laughs> yes, that we conduct with our community um, to advise and support them in building better experiences and products um, for customers. And so that's kind of our story and how we got started. Um, and then in terms of my personal journey, so my background is actually in supply chain. I went to school at North Carolina A&T, had no idea that I would end up working in fashion. I always thought that I'd work in traditional supply chain for maybe like a I don't know, gas company. Um, In school, I did internships in banking and just nothing related to creative careers, but I've always been a very creative person. And so um, I remember wanting to work in fashion or even like wanting to do hair when I was younger. And I think my parents are very traditional. They're both accountants. My dad was a CPA. So they always kind of pushed us to do, you know, more structured like things. Um, but long I think story it's short, that generation after, too, though. Yeah, I agree. I because think my parents were the same way. Yeah, you go what to school and do? you get it. I said, I think it's that generation, though. Our parents of you go to college and you get a good job. That's all mm-hmm. we were raised to do for that mm-hmm. era. Versus this new era is more like, oh, well, if you want to do something creative with our own kids, mm-hmm. then we're kind of like we're encouraging or supporting it or just saying you don't have to necessarily do the traditional thing. I think that's what our parents knew because most of them were first generation college, um, majority of them, if not mm-hmm. second. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think just not knowing how to help us, right? Like with these creative or like non-traditional paths, I think yeah. there's some level of safety as a parent to be able to yes. tell your kids like, okay, if I understand the career path that you're trying to pursue, I can help you right in that path. Yeah. But if you're trying to do something that I'm not familiar with or that makes me uncomfortable, I think that that's where, you know, they always say like, um, fear kills more dreams than doubt, I think, yes. something like that. So just trying to figure out how to communicate your dreams and goals and just lean into your talents and the things that make you excited and give you energy. I think that was kind of my path. But I say all that to say, did an internship in undergrad, realized that merchandising was a career. I was interning at Harley Davidson in their supply chain department. Totally random because, like, I'm not into bikes or anything. I know. Um, I was like, how did you go to Harley Davidson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? We, um, A&T actually has a really strong supply chain program. It's like one of the top 20 in the country. And so we have a lot of like partnerships with large corporations. And it was it was a paid internship. It was a six month program. I got to go and live in Milwaukee. Um, so I just That's Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I was in Milwaukee for six months. And at the time I had a cousin who was in grad school in Chicago. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Um, So it was just a new experience and I wanted to try something out. You know, Harley Davidson, it's a huge company. It has a really recognizable brand. So I just wanted to like try it. Yeah. Um, But got there, met these women who worked in their merchandising department, um, buying clothing and apparel. And I just started learning more and more about the industry from that perspective. And then realized like, okay, well, I can make a career out of doing all the things I've been learning, but just doing it like in a space that I'm more interested in, which is fashion. And so that kind of kicked off my journey. Then I did a training program um, at a regional retailer. If any of you guys are familiar with Belk, um, it's based here in the Southeast and then just kind of bounced around until I landed at Amazon um, around 2015, I think. Um, I was there for about four years. And then um, just as we kept building this community, which later led to us launching this agency, um, I left full time to pursue entrepreneurship. So that's kind of my story. Awesome. And it's such a different like path because you wouldn't think, oh, um, going the path you did would lead you to fashion and creativity of Mm -hmm. that nature just because you don't think. Harley Davidson, even though they do Mm-mm. got some cool leather um, pieces, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you don't tie that with fashion immediately. My dad has a Harley um, and they supposedly like, you know, the best motorcycles ever. Mm-hmm. So I get to look. Did you ever ride one while you was there? <laughs> um, I did not actually. They had a um, there was a whole department like for testing. So they yeah. had people that were there like paid on salary just to test and like ride the motorcycles. So we would go out to the test course and like watch them sometimes but yeah. they girl no they don't want them kind of liabilities letting us ride a motorcycle and when we're in college that's funny okay so now that you're doing what you're doing oh look mention the brunches oh <laughs> that's gosh. how we met that is how we met yeah so <clears throat> this kind of goes a little bit deeper into our origin story so the brunches are typically a semi-annual event that we host in New York during Fashion Week. Again, just an opportunity to bring together women who work at the intersection of fashion and tech. Um, myself and my co-founder, Jessica Couch, we literally met on LinkedIn at the I time. I love that. I know. Isn't that crazy? When I tell people that, they never believe it, but it's totally true. Because um, I mean, a random meetup turned into like a business and amazing friendship. So you mm-hmm. just have to always be open because... Sometimes you just think like, oh, if I don't know this person already or, you know, 
I have to build a business or I have to do it with people that you've known since like you were five. And mm-hmm. in actuality, it's great to just expand your network because you don't know who you can get connected with. I completely agree. Um, we met on LinkedIn. She and I were both just looking for other black women really that worked in fashion and technology I was living in Seattle at the time again working at Amazon and for anyone who has spent any amount of time in Seattle or really just that works in tech like you know it's a very traditionally white space and so I was flying back and forth to New York for work um a lot and I don't even remember who reached out to who but we met on LinkedIn (laughs) decided we were going to link up in New York got on the phone, um, exchanged numbers and realized like, oh my gosh, we both have these 919 numbers. And for anyone who doesn't know, 919 is the area code for Raleigh and for Durham. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we just realized like, wow, we're from the same area. And just as we started talking and just going through our path, we realized we had all of these experiences and people um, and just kind of like values and backgrounds. Yes. And so from there we were like, hey girl, we should just like, let's get people together for a brunch. Like black women love to brunch. We love to connect. Yeah. And I live in Atlanta, the city of brunching. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so then it's like, this will be an opportunity for us to just connect one-on-one and not so much in like a formal professional career environment, but just to sit across the, the table from someone that has similar experiences and say like, hey girl, I see you. I know it's tough. I know you're probably the only one working and doing what you're doing in the spaces where you are, but like you're supported. And so we had that first brunch. Um, It was about 30 women, but it was such an amazing experience. People were crying. People were testifying. It felt like church. Like it was so crazy to just see how all of these women came together. And again, we just threw it up on the internet, not knowing who would come. So of course we had friends who came and supported, but we also had women who were very like senior level executives at these major fashion companies and tech businesses and we were like huh this is really interesting people have been craving this kind of connection and so we had that event (laughs) there are a few funny stories that came out of that but I think that was where Jess and I realized for the first time like you know not only is she cool and she kind of like understands my experience but like maybe we could work together like maybe we could do some things together and so from there we just kept doing including Atlanta um and you were super helpful in getting us connected and plugged into the Atlanta community of women in like the fashion and beauty space so thank you for that um as we just kept continuing to expand and then I think it was probably that following year in May of 20 I want to say it was May 2019 Mm -hmm. we hosted an event in Seattle um and we had a really great turnout it was almost like a hundred women Um, there were women who attended, who were working at the time at Nordstrom. There were women from Zulily, the director of Nike fit drove up from Portland to come to our event and pulled us to the side and just asked like, how are you guys working with brands to tap into this community? A lot of the information that I heard on the panel or like the questions that were being asked, we, we are asking these same questions, right. From, from a consumer research standpoint. And so Jess and I thought about it and we were like, you know what? She's right. Like, not only should we leverage this community to connect women and build that level of support, but brands are trying to figure out how to cater to us because we lead consumer trends. We lead in spending for a lot of these categories that are important for retailers. So how do we take this and pivot it and make it a solution for for corporations? And that was really the beginning of building our business, which just so happened 
that to your point about being open and connecting with other people and other women, our skill sets are so complementary. Like Jessica's background is in consumer research. She's an academic researcher with a master's degree from Cornell, like very, very pedigreed up, very, very smart um, and has done a ton of research and is one of the leading thought leaders in the apparel research space for fit technology. And then with my background in supply chain and working in tech um, and having helped build the business for Amazon fashion, um, we have a deep level of knowledge around building brands, building assortments um, and, and how retail works. And so it wasn't very difficult once we decided like how we would um, work together work together exactly it wasn't difficult to kind of like carve out a path and like build the business so it's been really interesting that is awesome now how did the pandemic i'm always asking everybody this now that we're what two years on the other side of it but it's Mm -hmm. definitely a different world we will never be what we were the innocence of 2019 (laughs) again uh based off of the fact that all we thought it was going to come through was going to pass and we'll go back to normal but now we have a new normal so how did y'all pivot and adjust? Because I'm always curious on how people are the people that were like, well, I wasn't affected at all. The way my business was set up, it worked mm-hmm. out. Other people was like, well, you know, I opened up new doors. It turned my business to something totally different. How did y'all adjust to the world turned upside down? Yeah, that's a really great question. So <laughs> I actually left my full-time job at the end of May 2019. So we had about six or seven months. Mm -hmm. of both working full-time on this business before the pandemic happened in February, 2022. And so for us, I think the pivot was connecting virtually. Um, So we had always done in-person events and that was kind of a staple of like how we built um, WOC. But obviously we, we hosted an event actually in February, 2022, not knowing that the pandemic would disrupt life for everyone a couple days later but we were in New York hosted an event with 100 plus people and had no idea that we were on the precipice of that and so I think for us exactly because I came to that one yeah (laughs) I know wasn't that crazy and then it was like two yes because I remember reading like it was something called corona going on as Mm -hmm. I was boarding my flight to New York and I was like "Mm, I wonder should I be worried and I was like no it's autumn (laughs) Asia we'll be fine right right yeah I remember that as well and so I think for us, it was figuring out how to keep our community connected. And then that was around the time that, again, we were pivoting to market ourselves as an agency to B2B partners. Um, And so just with the transition of everything that was happening in the economy, people, you know, quarantining, quarantining, staying at home, um, not shopping as much and just the uncertainty of everything a lot of our contracts with some of these retailers were delayed like we were thinking okay we'll you know close a contract at the top of 2022 um which would have obviously you know helped to grow our business over that first year um a lot of those contracts may have been delayed six eight ten months yeah and so for us it was how do we pivot from our existing business model and our existing event format to yeah. a virtual format that is sustainable and like useful for everyone. Yeah. Now I will say on the flip side, you know, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise for us because there's always that period of preparation, right? Before you kind of yes. jump into something new. And so I think what it did for us was instead of me transitioning directly from 
corporate and walking into full-time entrepreneurship, full throttle, it kind of gave, it bought us some time to really structure and organize ourselves in a way that I feel like reflects the, the level of expertise um, and quality of work that we have become accustomed to producing. Um, So I think that that was great. And then it forced us to invest in content for our community, which ultimately over the subsequent years has led to more opportunities um, because of, again, because of that investment. So, you know, I think all in all people have, you know, found their way to like navigate um, the pandemic. But for us, it was all about the preparation and like finding the right things to invest in that would help us to be successful, like in this next phase. So no, I love that. And I do think it definitely slowed us all down where we were running like everybody here, there, everywhere on a plane, mm-hmm. going here, going there, that it forced us to slow down and kind of look at what we had going on and decide, you know, what I need to do, not only to move forward in my business. Like you said, I, all of us, I think, stepped up our virtual if we weren't doing mm-hmm. as much virtual as before. But it also gave me time to really get my processes and my systems together to work on some assets as far as like, oh, let's work on these decks mm-hmm. let's work on these pitch decks let's work on these um you know one-on-ones and these b2b's and all of these different things <laughs> right. that we were slowed down enough to kind of work on and not be as busy because we weren't running around so much mm-hmm. so it definitely makes a difference i know we're going to wrap up shortly so i just wanted to ask what would you Maybe three tips, whether it be books, movies, podcasts, but what would you advise for someone wanting to enter into this space more from a fashion tech component? Because it's still a really new space as far as, you know, it's hard to be what you don't see. And so even for me, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that this was, uh, you know, I could scale my business to the levels that I can until maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe what, four years ago. Before that, it was like, you know, I'm just happy to have my own business and be able to pay my bills, but not thinking about like, oh, you can create generational wealth and legacy Mm -hmm. and all of the other things like our counterparts have kind of been exposed to and known they could do it because it's been shown and proven. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a great question. So my like to tie it all together and wrap it all up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think my first tip would be to surround yourself with the right people um, for the direction that you're trying to take your career and your life. And I know that that's like, not always a popular opinion. Like people are very much on the like, no new friends idea, but I just think as you continue to grow and evolve and change, as you said before, you really do have to be open. And when you have like an idea or something that you're trying to grow or develop, um, it's really important that you surround yourself with people who have a similar vision and, yeah are working through similar challenges and, and working on themselves in the same way. Specifically yeah. for entrepreneurship, it's not all about your skill set. A lot of that is just like your your values and like your personal yeah. habits and yeah. your emotional competency and your emotional intelligence. And there's so yeah. many things that go into being a successful entrepreneur that you may have to unlearn some things that you've learned, you know, from from previous friends and family yeah. and just your environment. And so I think surrounding yourself with the right people who are going to like push you and challenge you and help you grow and not hold you accountable to who you used to be or who they've always known you as is like really, really important for that. Yeah. Number two, a book that I always recommend to new entrepreneurs who are going into like the tech or like VC and funded space is The Founder's Dilemma. Okay. Um, It's 
I can't remember the author, but I think it's a really great book to read that kind of just gives you the lay of the land in terms of all of the different competing constraints that happen within business. So there's fundraising, there's capacity, there's, you know, building a team, um, there's like identifying and communicating your specific skill set. And, and, when you're looking at building specifically like a tech business, um, and you know this because you've done so many different accelerator programs and like yeah. been working to build your app, um, there are like certain buzzwords and keywords and phrases that investors are looking for yeah. um, to know that you're like ready and you're serious and that they can trust you with their money. And so I think what the Founders Dilemma does is it gives you like a good overview of the landscape so you can start to one, identify the places where you have gaps or deficiencies and like, okay, maybe I need to read up more on this or like learn more about that. Um, But two, I think it helps you understand kind of where your business fits. Like, do you want to be a VC backed? Do you even want to be a VC backed company? Company. Like that is a question that people need to, you know, really ask themselves. Um, So I think that would be my number two. And then number three is just know what your goals are. And I know that sounds super duper simple, (laughs) Um, but we work with so many different brands and so many different partners, especially in the CPG space for like beauty and hair care, where everyone's like, well, I want to be in Target or I want to be in this store. I want to be in that store. And it's like all of that sounds great, right? Like that can be really flattering for a retailer to reach out to you and say, hey, we want your products on our shelves. Um, Or for a company to reach out to you and say, hey, we want to put you on retainer to do X, Y, and Z. But ultimately, that may not be a good move for your business, depending on what your goals are. um, And depending on the direction that you're trying to go. And all money is not good money. Yes. So I think just being clear on your goals is also really important. So my three things are you know, definitely agree with all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, My three things are surround yourself with the right people, um, know what your goals are, and then read the book, The Founder's Dilemma. Awesome. I love that. I think that was the perfect way to wrap up. Totally agree with all of those, especially all money is not good money. Mm -hmm. And you gotta, if you know your focus, you won't be distracted by the shiny things as we call Mm -hmm. it. Because sometimes I stress this to my students all the time. Everything that's a good look is not necessarily the best for your business. I mean, mm-hmm. I know every time I've worked in TV or anything that was like, oh, you did Disney, you did this. I still made way more money and things that were better for my business, mm-hmm. from my business perspective, from stuff that you would not know. People wouldn't even know about. Person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you have to balance <laughs> the good looks or things that you're doing just, you know, for resume or portfolio with what is actually going to bring in the money. Because if you don't make money in doing what you're your business is technically a hobby to mm-hmm. run a business. You have to be able to bring in revenue and be able to grow and scale. And so I definitely agree with all of that. Thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Of course, I'll tag you when we release the podcast, probably uh, next week or later this week, depending on my assistant and <laughs> um, y'all check it out. Let us know your thoughts. You can comment and give us feedback when you hear the podcast. If you have more questions, I'll be tagging her so you can reach out to her directly and uh, stay open and open to learning and growing and meeting new people and surrounding yourself with like-mindedness. Like she said, really enjoyed you, Brittany. Um, hit me when you get to the A. <laughs> And we can figure that out. And you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks, Avanya. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes, definitely. Talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.